Sports cards and we live now. Jeremy Lee in the building and every guest that you ever needed. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates, hobby talk like you've never seen it. Sports cards live and nothing could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. All right. Hello and welcome, everybody, to episode number 141 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday night, May the 28th, 2022, and my name is Jeremy Lee. I do want to give thanks to Peter Ianacelli for joining us last Saturday. We had a great time with him. And from all the feedback I received, I know you all loved it too. Thank you very much for that. I want to let you all know tomorrow night on Collectible Live on this channel at 7 p.m. Eastern, my guest will be Doug Turner of the 615 Collector Podcast. He has a great podcast, a real nice approach to the hobby, and I can't wait to talk to him tomorrow on Collectible Live. I would like to shout out the Center Stage app. Download the app in the App Store for quick comps. Whether you are strolling through card shows or pricing cards, if you are a vendor, the app is continuously improving. So join me in supporting these hobbypreneurs as they endeavor to make the hobby even better than it already is. And there is their, their IG on the ticker as well. I also want to let you guys know, pretty exciting. I want to introduce a new channel partner, Pristine Auction. PristineAuction.com is one of the most trusted sports memorabilia and collectibles auction sites. Auctions on pristineauction.com start at just a dollar every day, and there are thousands of autographed items available. They also sell thousands of sports cards, starting with no reserves in their weekly sports card auction. The auction runs from Sunday to Sunday and has everything from vintage to ultra modern, including raw and graded singles and wax. Head over to pristineauction.com, and they are offering code SCL for $10 off your first purchase with them. There it is on the ticker pristineauction.com. I want to thank them for supporting the channel. There will be no show, everybody, next Saturday. I will be at Toronto, in Toronto, at the Sport Card Expo. Can't wait to see you all there. Thursday night dinner at Jack Astor's. Come join us. Just talk to me at the show, and I'll let you know where it is if you don't know already, but that's going to be a lot of fun. No show next week, but I do have, an, I have a pretty cool announcement here. I have a special show on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, May the 31st. We will sit down with a gentleman by the name of Steve Cass. He is the founder and CEO of TAG, Technical Authentication and Grading, what I believe to be the truest automated grading system in the hobby. For episode number one of this five, this five episode series reveal, we will all get to know TAG's whole management team and development team. In the first episode, we're going to meet Steve and take a deep dive into his history and the history of TAG as well. In episode number two, which will be next Tuesday, June the 7th, right after the Sport Card Expo, we're going to dig into TAG's differentiators, including their grading scale, their slab, which blew my mind, in ep among others. In episode number three, on Saturday, June the 11th, we will see their digital image and grading report, their order management system, and their POP report. In the fourth episode, on Saturday, June the 18th, we'll see a demo of their automated grading system. This is, this is exciting stuff. And in the fifth and final episode on Saturday, June the 25th, we will discuss their vision for their future of grading and their go-forward plan. So this is going to be unlike anything that you guys have ever seen before when it comes to grading. I suspect this will be the differentiator 
that the hobby has been waiting, the disruptor that the hobby has been waiting for. So tune in with me on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, May the 31st, and we're going to meet the man behind TAG and get a glimpse into the future of grading for our hobby. Exciting stuff. Join me next Tuesday for that. I want to thank all you viewers, all you subscribers, all the podcast listeners. If you're not yet subscribed to the channel, please take a moment and do so. As always tonight, your comments and your questions are in play. Let's get to tonight's guest. He started in the hobby in 1998, opening packs of basketball cards in China after discovering the hobby through a Japanese manga called Slam Dunk. He slowed down, but then in 2009, while in New York City, he rediscovered the hobby and eBay, and since then, it has been his passion, which you're about to see if you don't know already. His favorite athlete is Kobe Bryant. His favorite team is the Los Angeles Lakers, originally from China, currently residing in Berlin, Germany. Let's bring out the man known by one name, Spinatron. Welcome to Sports Cards Live. How are you doing this morning? Uh, yeah, it's uh, right now it's uh, 4 a.m. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Good evening. <laughs> In case some Germany fellows are watching. Yeah, nice to be there's... here. Thank you, Jeremy, for this um, opportunity. Uh, it, it, it's an honor to have you, Spino. I'm going to call you Spino. I think the hobby knows you as Spinatron, but we can call you Spino for short. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, first of all, thanks for joining me. I know, what time are we starting? Four, is it 4 a.m. In, in where you are in Berlin? Right, 4 a.m. 4 a.m., okay. guys. Because, guy... uh, um, because of various auction houses ending, right? So this is no strange thing for, for me. <laughs> no. So you're yeah. so because of where you live, because you're not yeah. in North America, you are used yeah. to setting your alarm to wake up to to really manage your your hobby activities. Is that right? Um, I mean, I think uh, yeah, the hobby really is like around the clock, right? But uh, I don't I don't use to like use alarm. It's okay. I woke up like very early every day. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you didn't need, need, need an alarm that you're you're here with us today. So. You know, it's uh, it, it's good to have you, Spino. Let's let's talk about your hobby history a little bit because you know I follow you on Instagram. You have a very um, you have a very deep. I'm going to say a detailed Instagram page. You you post up a lot of pictures of cards. You post many cards together, and then you post up these very lengthy paragraphs, text of of you know what it is that you love about the cards and how how they how they are important, but. Let's go through your history a little bit and just talk about, again, from the beginning, how did you, Japanese manga, slam dunk, yeah. that, how did that lead you to basketball cards? Right. So um, so I only came into contact with basketball through that manga. So I know the sports through that manga and find it very fascinating because they always has a way to like romanticize the sports right through the stories, beautiful like illustrations. So that led me to purchase my basketball and I uh, like dribbled the whole afternoon and that naturally led to uh, me finding like the NBA on TV. I was lucky because I think in China they introduced NBA not too long ago because like David Stern like sat, sat in Beijing's uh, TV tower for hours. To, to convince them to broadcast some NBA. And at that time, I think we can, uh, we could watch three games probably per week and yeah, had to stay up late and so on. And then um, 
because I, I like to have some immersive experience, right? So I um, also started to read magazines related to hoop. And in one of the ads, it says, okay, there's some sports cards you can um, order through like a mail order or something. So that was the, like the Jordan motion card, a three card, a five card set. Um, you can order one, but you don't know which one you get. So I, I went through the lengthy process of like make this happen. And um, yeah, the one I got was the, like the uh, Jordan's, um, I think the shot over Elo. Uh, and that was, I was hoping to get the switch the hand, but I do, from this, I um, didn't know there's a hobby shop in Beijing. So I, I made several visits whenever I, I yeah, went there and uh, yeah, that led me to open some packs and get get to know various products. I think I, at that time I was uh, like, um, like just high school, um, middle school, high school. So, and the, the price was quite high actually, <laughs> as you could imagine. So I probably every visit I could open maybe three or four packs. But um, I think that time like sold me some like uh, deep impressions on various 90s products, which um, picked up like uh, when I re-entered the hobby in, like 10 years later. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so let's talk about it. You re-entered the hobby 10 years later. Why did you, why weren't uh, you in the hobby during those 10 years? What happened and what brought you back 10 years later? Yeah, that's right. Um, so I was a student and, uh, in China, but I think um, around early 2001 or so, I went to the United United Kingdom to study, and basketball was not um, popular there, so that, that's not possible for me to. And the, the time was even worse, right, for me to catch the live games. So there's no league pass, I think, at that time. But I still um, kept eye on um, Becky magazine, so I still try to find it in the store, and they did carry it. So I, I re read them like maybe once or twice a year. So, but never, I wasn't aware there's um, such a extensive engagement of hobby online or on eBay at that time. So, yeah. So, so I wasn't you, in the hobby, strictly speaking. <laughs> so you got back in after about 10 years and what what happened then? Kind of what was your what were your what was your uh, your what were your goals? What was your what were your plans? What were you hoping to accomplish when you came back in? Right. Um, yeah. So uh, I think I had a chance to uh, came back earlier. I think uh, through the Jordan, I bought the Jordan um, Hall of Fame issue of the Beckett, and really found it fascinating. Um, like there's a especially there's like top three uh, top twenty three cards for MJ I could look at. I think it's it's penned by one of the Beckett veteran I've got whose whose name is. But yeah, that that really gave me an idea what what's out there since the time of nineties. Um, but then um, I think the real like reentry to the hobby was uh, in two thousand nine or so. Um, I was, I'm kind of interested in comics again, like this time it's a um, Western comic and uh, there's this uh, return of, uh, of Bruce Wayne, like Batman series, and they has some sketch variant. 
which is quite rare to get from the store, from the New York uh, comic store. So I went online to eBay to search for it. And uh, yeah, I got two copies of it. And then um, the memory rushed back, like there was some maybe copy cards. I was curious and uh, searched them on the on eBay. And yeah, so I was, that, that started all basically, yeah. Okay, so you got you got back in around 2009. Here we are, 2022, 13 years later. You've you've built up a reputation for yourself. You've got I think over 15,000 followers on Instagram. Speaking of of, you know, with the community and all that, 2 weeks ago, I had another great collector on the show. I, I see his name in the in the chat, <laughs> David Chow, Shanghai card collector. Oh, okay. yeah. And let's just get this out of the way talking about David. Now we're going to go to the chat. We're going to go to the chat and welcome everybody. See who see who all is joining us. But I, without getting well, we're going to get a little bit ahead of ourselves here, but mm-hmm. tell me how important was was somebody like David Chow and really him himself in particular, how important was he to sort of fuel your re-engagement into the hobby in the early 2010s? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I met David around 2012, maybe. Um, so that was already a couple of years after I sort of developed my uh, goals and taste. But I think um, his friendship and, of course, his uh, PC help, um, it's like a very integral part of what I am today. Like, especially he provided several key cards for the chase of essential credentials. And we will probably get to that <laughs> in due time. But yeah, that's very important. And I think I tried to help him a little bit when he tried to um, kind of um, maybe try to think about whether to sell or hold or which card to pick up. We, we, have extensive discussions about them until this day so it's it's quite a nice um hobby companionship i would say like um like a friendship yeah it's always great when uh you know you it happened to me one time spino where i met a guy I, i was i bought a card from somebody on ebay and when the when the deal was was done um well when the when the auction ended I reached out and I said, you know, can we maybe meet up? Because I saw he was in Toronto and I was going to be flying there. And we met up at the Toronto airport. He came to the airport and delivered the card to me in person as I was Mm -hmm. on a layover, I think it was. And that was probably in 2009 and 13 years later. And we're good buddies. And, you know, he's a friend of mine. And uh, I know, you know, I ask how his daughter is doing, all these sorts of things. It's kind of funny how the hobby, it's not funny. It's actually a wonderful thing that the hobby can lead to some real great friendships and uh yeah that, that that's that's a great thing about the hobby we're going to talk about your your the evolution of your collecting not so much your history we've covered that but we'll talk about the evolution of your collecting but first let's go say hello to the people in the chat we have jake Dahl. good evening to you frank gastella mr davy what is going on mike at eastridge good evening to you Hope to see all of you in chat at the Toronto Expo next week, as do I. Good evening, Jeremy M. DR says, good evening. In what I've been calling a down market, I picked up my first big card for my daughter's Hall of Fame collection, a Mia Hamm autograph card. There are always buyers and sellers. That's a great point, DR. There are always buyers and sellers. As long as there's cards and I'm on the planet, I'm going to keep on buying cards. Jeff Hart, good evening to you. Glad to have you. 
Ronnie, what's going on? Jeff McMahon, good to see you. Steve Foley, what is up? Steve Foley of TradeSafe. Tag sounds interesting. Yes, if you missed the beginning of the show, I announced that uh, on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, I will be doing episode number one of a five-episode series revealing what I think is the most advanced automated grading company in the hobby. They're called Tag Technical Authentication and Grading. And we're going to have episode number one, Meet the Founder, on Tuesday at 9 o'clock Eastern, Tuesday, May 31st. Fire Sports Cards, what is going on? There's David Chow, my hello, my card brother, the two persons I love the most. We love you too, David. We love you too. Dexflow says the revolution will be televised. If you're talking about me revealing tag on the channel, then yes, it will be televised and it will be a revolution. I think it's going to be the disruptor that we've all been waiting for. Uh, good evening, Lapper. JP, what's going on? And you're welcome. Albert Jones, hello. The Russian Rocket, he left the hobby several years ago, as far as I know. His name is Lee, and uh, I don't know where he's at, but um, but I knew him pretty well. He was a great guy. Michael Foley, what's going on? We got Dave, Dave Chow. I am humbled. I should have listened to all of your advice back in the day, he says. <laughs> we can't look backwards, uh, David. We can't look back. Sharp Sports Memorabilia, great to have you. Thanks for chiming in. James Fertitta, Joe Perot, Eric is in the house. Jordan Riker's in the house. Peter, what is going on? Latrell, Les Edwards, my guy is here. What's going on? Chad Shipper and Foul Five Ball. Welcome everybody again to the show. Spino, let's talk about you started when you really started in the hobby. You were collecting high grade rookies. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Just it like, better be, that's what you told me before. Speak to that a little bit. Yeah. So um, the reason of that is. Um, I only know certain cards, right, uh, of Kobe, like uh, Topps Chrome and those things. Um, so that was the first thing I searched for. And I, I already have a very deep idea, like the rookie cards is the most collectible for the guys at that time. So, And obviously a little bit OCD and try to chase the, the highest qualities that led me to uh, look up the highest grade. Um, Back then, the Beckett was still a little bit more popular for the modern cars. So I, I try to collect highest grade possible. And that tend to be like BGS 10 and also the highest 9 or something, 95 or something. But then, um, so I, I get my hands on the, the top, top few cars. And, uh, and then I gradually realized that um, obviously there is a such a goal like, like a master set collector or something. But... Um, it's tend to be like um, certain cards are the key cards to get. Once you get those, the rest of it you can like feel any time of the day, right? So, um, so but I never really go to those. So I only chase the like the the biggest card in highest grade, and once I got them, I moved down to more rare cards in this sense, like like the. Uh, super rare cards and also um, and I also um, try to learn as much as I can by reading through all the forums but back then there were um, I think quite a few forums uh, Hobby Kings is, uh, is the one of the most important for me and also Blowout so um, from them uh, I, I developed uh, like uh, kind of ranking like which are the top cards for Kobe Bryant so I try to go out and find them. So that's basically an evolution already from like, I would say 
quite readily available, but high grade cards to those super rare where you never see like cards. And yeah, that, that um, I also, also has, uh, had the same philosophy. You can always uh, complete the rest later and which I never do actually. <laughs> but, yeah. So you, so it was, it was because you were collecting Kobe Bryant that you went down that rabbit hole of looking mm-hmm. for the real rare, the rarest of the rare cards. And, and that's what led you to discover the essential credentials. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Um, so, right. So at that time, I basically looking for like um, Jordan, Kobe and the LeBron, right? The, the rest cut of them all. And I think the Jordan had the most discussion on. And I already know um, there are like big three from 97, 98. Like the PMG Green uh, essential credential now out of nine, and also the first game jersey auto. So those are the three big cards for the MJ to get. And so um, the Kobe also in two of the sets. So that's that's why the Kobe also on the radar. And I was also chasing LeBron <laughs> uh, rookie patch auto in exquisite out of ninety nine. But I was dead set on being like gem mint and also not bumped so that's a too tough uh, restriction which prevented me ultimately to have one so that i have nothing to show for that category but for jordan and kobe uh, i think i got as much as i wanted basically i was at the scene for each like big auction for those super rare cards either i make the attempt or fully aware it's going on but because of timing sometimes i have to like stand on the sidelines <laughs> but yeah i was pretty much engaged in those high-end auctions so i mean you're somebody who spends a lot of time researching the hobby finding these cards like finding first of all putting together your want list of, of rare cards and then and then you spend a lot of time searching for these like the, the mm-hmm. globe searching the globe for these cards putting out feelers trying to trying to find mm-hmm. them you know that that's a that, that's a it's a commitment. It's a passion. I want to know what is it about acquiring rare cards that mm-hmm. makes you want to do it? Like, what is the, what's the psychological situation for you? What, what, what is it about it that makes you want to acquire these rare cards? Is it, is right. it because you like the chase? Is it because you want to own what nobody else can own? Is it because you think they're going to go up in value or is mm-hmm. it because they already are of value are you trying to build sets? Like, I really want to understand what is it in your psychology that makes you want to own all these rare cards? Right. Um, yeah, because I, I think I really have a, a deep love for those cards. I find them really uh, aesthetically uh, pleasing and elegant. And um, I think back in the 90s, I was sit in front of uh, like a computer with a modem, like really slow connection, but I was go through like the Skybox FLIR website. So I already know like those things, I think it's more like nostalgia. And and also um, in early days, I, I met some like friends or mentor online and we had like almost daily email exchanges. I think that also shaped my um, passion and the taste a little bit because we just constantly update and uh, like bounce ideas off each other. Um, and also we were in different kind of areas. So there's no <laughs> uh, 
uh, competition, but we can hear each other's thoughts. So I had two such mentors in the early days, one for 90s era and one for uh, exquisite. Um, so that, that was lucky for me. And yeah, I also like the challenge, like um, because back in the day, there were no social media. There's, there's no vast amount of offering. Right now, it's just you have to be waiting to search a bunch of auction houses, right, and uh, marketplaces. Back then, there's, there was absolutely nothing for the high end at a given time. So you have to be methodical and patient. And you spend a lot of time online because on forum, there are hobbyists with uh, lots of knowledge and sometimes have the car you need, but you have to talk to them and try to <laughs> convince you are a good uh, future <laughs> owner for this card. Yeah, that is a big part of the collecting, yeah. It's, it, you're right. Like there are some cards that we covet. Uh, we, I mean, all of us, uh, many of us, mm -hmm. and we might know where they are. And when we do know where they are, i.e. we know who has them, we then reach out to them every so often, whether it's, whether it's every week, every month, maybe once a quarter, once a year, just to mm -hmm. see if they, just to remind them that we still want. And I think that's important to do. I've got several cards that people have reached out for me that they'd like to acquire. And I say, listen, not yet, but try me in six months. You know, maybe I'll, who knows what can happen. And uh, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's good. I, I know I know some people specifically in the chat tonight that, that will almost... <laughs> You know, I don't want, you know, it's not, not really this, but you almost want to bother somebody enough until they just want to sell you the card to get you off their back. So you stop, <laughs> you stop contacting them. Right. That's uh, that's one of the fun, fun things in, in the hobby. So be careful. Your, your mailbox might get lit up by those PMs. They could, they could, they could for sure. Well, it, it's been happening to me for, for years. You know, you have rare cards that people want and you show them on whatever platform and, they see them and they say, hey, if you're ever going to let that go, let me know. The problem with that, though, and this happens to me all the time, almost every day where someone will write and say, hey, um, you're going to the expo. If you see any of this card, let me know. And it's like, I, I, I usually just write and I say, listen, I'm probably not going to remember because I don't have a big list of this. And it's, you know, when you're at the card show, there's so much going on. It's really tough. There are some people who are so good at it. They will take requests and they will go to the card show and look for cards for people. And um, I just don't have the capacity for it. So the odd time I'll remember and I'll reach out to somebody. But my my advice is, you know, you have to be persistent when you want to find a card that you don't just have easy access to. Have you ever, have you done that? Have you just continuously reached out to people well, and say, hey, don't forget, I want that card. Maybe increase your offer every time you reach out. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can review a couple of them. Like, for example, the Pierce uh, Credential Nine of the rookie year. Paul I, Pierce. I, yeah, I knew such a seller, and he listed at one time in the past, and never listed again. I I reached out to him like every year. Right. The offer has grew up, <laughs> like uh, definitely on par with the market already. So like two years ahead of the market, I would say. <laughs> I, I have a sincere offers, but never much uh, reply actually. So yeah, yeah. Trying. Okay, let's go back to the chat. We have a whole bunch of comments coming in. We have some questions for you, so let's get to them. We'll start with uh, we'll start and saying by saying hello to that '70s card show. Welcome to the show, Jordan says Spinatron. Will you be coming to any shows in North America this year? Yeah, I, I, I hopefully I am still try to get some work uh, contract extended and. This, 
get something sorted. After that happens, then I will definitely hope to attend some shows. There are so many shows these days, right? So very exciting. With the national, is that on your list by chance? Yeah, the national will be difficult because I haven't been back to China for like two and a half years. So I would like to visit, but that involve a lengthy um, quarantine time. So that make it very tough. But next year I will be there for sure. Yeah. At the national. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you plan to go to China before you go to uh, before you come to North to the United States. Okay. That sounds good. There you go, Jordan. Hockey cards up. Welcome to the show. Good evening to you, Troy. What's going on, Plaid Picker? How are the Flames doing? Well, he's referring to my Calgary Flames, who are not. They're not doing so well, Plaid Picker. <laughs> they are not doing so well. I, I've, I'm lucky that that elimination game was already two days ago, and I've had a few a few uh, sleep cycles to uh, to get over it and that botched call by the refs on on the goal. But hey, it is what it is. Well, you can only move forward. So yeah, they're not doing so well today and neither are us fans. Cards and Comics says, sometimes the rarest cards aren't the most popular. Do you still collect those as well? So that's for you, Spino. Uh, which, which cards I was, I lost in the, okay, sometimes the rarest card on the baseball. Yeah. Um, right. I, I think at early days, I set my parameters to be like um, Kobe Bryant cards. That is 25 or less in the print runs or um, one-for-one cards or uh, jersey number cards. For example, um, PMG Championship is out of 50, but I would still want the eight out of 50, which I eventually got. So yeah, I, I'm, I never collected popular cards or the cards that, I, that is on fire. I always um, chase the ones I, I set my sight on and for some good reasons, I would say. <laughs> Well, you know, some of the rare cards that you've collected, and I always come back to the essential credentials because they are, they're very rare across all sports, across all products and years that they've come out. Mm-hmm. And they were not that popular early on. They've gained a lot of popularity in the last few years. Really, I would, mm-hmm. in my, from, in my perspective, they've gained a lot of popularity in the last four or five years. But when you were chasing them in the early mm-hmm. 2010s, uh, and when David was chasing them originally, they weren't all that popular, as far as I remember. I mean, I that that was when auto patches were really popular, and and then you had these mm-hmm. weird looking die cut acetate essential credentials with this weird numbering system, and it was almost mm-hmm. like, well, that's too weird for me. That was even my attitude at the beginning, but they mm-hmm. sure grew on me, and uh, and now I love them. I love them as much as you do, probably, and uh, and so. You know, you you've been ahead of the curve. You when you liked them, they were not that popular, but they're certainly popular now. Mm-hmm. Great question by Cards and Comics. Here's one from Jeff Hart for you, Spino. Putting mm-hmm. the financial part aside and, and whatever resources you may have, how have you been able to locate and secure so many of the rarest and desirable cards in existence? Now we kind of talked about it already, mm-hmm. but can you maybe tell a story about mm-hmm. one of the hardest cards you ever had to acquire for whichever mm-hmm. little whichever PC you want right. to talk about? Right. Uh, one of the hardest. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe like, let me quickly address the, the earlier part you mentioned. I think the essential credential in the 90s were still very popular. I think it, it remains like the top two like, throughout 90s. If you check the back at press list, the price is really high and always in the hot list, I think. Um, but during the like last 10 years, early part of the night, um, I think 
that was the time where Exquisite and Automate or, or early Paninis, uh, like auto patches, they they were more kind of sought after, right? So and I was also, I think I just tried to basically eat up all the rare credential when they come up. So there's no, and I try to get them in various ways. So there's no big sales which kind of tend to attract the market and all the, all the dealers. So I keep them low as much as I can before I complete them. So that, that was the, my, my, my feeling. But uh, I understand maybe hockey side is slightly different, but it's a nice kind of intersection between two sports, right? The essential credentials. Um, let, let me think of uh, a story, rare's car existence. Um, let me answer this question directly first. I think the search function of Google and um, to know where to look and what to look are kind of already half of the job. Like you, you can basically just put the full name in Google and it will lead you to various places. And that was just basically the, the, the way I started off. And sometimes there are some tricks like um, Back then, when eBay is more like open, right? You can once you find a, a seller or buyer throughout the provenance chain, you were able to kind of cross-reference using the feedback and so on to to find various uh, owners or yeah, and that and also when you see a rare cards of a player, just to uh, maybe not to be too lazy, just send him an email on eBay and say, do you have this card? And also for rare cards, even if you don't want to secure at that time, just send him an email where, when you can just look back, right? You can search the email and locate exactly where. And that helps me a lot. Um, yeah, I think, for example, um, and also sometimes people are very kind like to, to help you out. I think um, uh, I have a very important Kobe cards um, where a friend just tipped me, okay, there's this card and this owner, maybe you want to reach out and see if he was willing to sell. And I did that. And that person was a huge uh, Reggie Miller collector. And, and he already had the most uh, like the, most wanted cards already, only a few pieces missing. So he gave me the task, you just find those pieces and then you will get this Kobe. It's the Kobe 1978 uh, Flare Showcase Masterpiece Row Zero. So you could make a case that that could be the best Kobe one of one in the nineties or something. So that kind of asked me to become a Reggie Miller collector and also to search all those cards, yeah. So that that, that take seven years for me to fulfill his wish, wish list. Seven, seven. <laughs> Eventually, so, did the transaction. <laughs> seven years. So I've yeah. heard stories like that before, where you know someone has a card that you want, and they'll say to you, "Listen, I'm not letting this go, but if you can find me my Grail or this card I've been searching for, and bring mm -hmm. it to me, then I will trade you or we'll work a deal and I'll, I'll move you this card of mine that you want. I've heard mm -hmm. stories like that before. I don't know <laughs> that I've ever been involved in one of those, but I've heard those stories before. So aside from that, really, what just to, to summarize what you're saying, it's, it's searching the internet, using Google search and just searching the internet, looking for cards you can find, 
relying on friends and, and your network, other other hobby contacts to let you know that, hey, I saw this card. I get I get messages, DMs almost every day with people saying, here, look at this card. And, you know, oftentimes it's like, hey, I'm, I have those same save searches. I'm searching these things all the time. I've already seen it. I I certainly appreciate it. I don't, I don't want people to stop doing it because you don't see everything, but it's very helpful. And, you know, whenever somebody sends you a card that you hadn't seen yet on eBay or whatever auction site, and you don't, you know, you weren't there, you didn't know about it, that could be very, very helpful because you might go and just hit the buy it now and make sure it's yours before someone else does that. So that's a that's another really good. And then and then the other way, I don't even know if you mentioned that, but it's just the card is on eBay. The whole world knows about it. The, you know, the whole hobby world knows about it. And then you just got to make the highest bid and then the card can be yours. And that right. brings into in, into play some of the financial stuff. But if you mm. can afford it, you uh, you go for it. So. All right. Great question. Jeff Hart. Good evening, Adam. Holgate, uh, I think this is Eli says, yeah, that's Eli says, good evening. Came across the Finitron's Instagram page a few weeks ago. Absolutely insane collection. Thanks for sharing with the world. See you. Yeah, we'll see you. Uh, see you next. See you on Thursday, uh, Eli, for sure. Friedman says, let's go Colorado Avalanche. I mean, listen, I'm a Flames fan and the Oilers are our biggest rival. Don't tell my local friends here, but like I want to see if McDavid wins the cup. And if you watch early episodes, not early, but if you watch episodes from the, you know, kind of the fall, I was saying that this could be the year that McDavid wins the cup. He's, he's good. He's good enough to do it. And uh, well, they basically dismantled my team in five games. So uh, I would love to see McDavid and the Oilers win the Stanley cup. I think that would be good for the hobby and I'll put the hobby ahead of my rivalry. Jahan, cards and comics, the most sold card is Griffey Base. Okay, good to know. Jordan Riker says, have you ever done a deal with each other? I don't think we have. Spino, have, do you recall ever doing a deal with me? Maybe not, right? Because, but yeah, because we, we, our common intersection so far, it's like a few rookie, um, I mean, hockey credentials maybe, <laughs> but. I don't chase them religiously, so maybe not yet. Not maybe one of these days. Maybe you never know. Troy says Jeremy won't sell me all his Gretzky rookies. I mean, not all of them, that's for sure. Troy, good evening, Jenny Miller. Latrell says Spino, do you have entire essential credentials set complete? Right for the basketball first year, um, ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Now and the future set. I have both sets completed. Yeah, several years ago. The now and so so for people who don't know what we're talking about, we've been talking about credentials, essential credentials. It's kind of the same thing. Credentials is just a short way of saying essential credentials. And these are rare. They're actually usually parallels of inserts. At least they were in 2012 in Fleer Retro. And uh, they are die cut. They're die cut cardboard, like hollow foil cardboard, usually layered on top of a, a colored acetate. And there's two there's a parallel set. There's the essential credentials now and the essential credentials future. And they have like opposite numbering. So if, if one, usually there's 43 or four, say 42 cards in the set. So card number one will be a like the now will be a one of one, but that player's parallel future will be out of 42. And then whoever's got the out of two will have the other one being out of 41 and so on until you get to the cards out of 21 and 20 sort of thing. So that's what we're talking about. They're very rare. Uh, vintage card collector wants to know how far are you with the football set, Spino? Uh, football, I, I take it as a American football because I don't think the soccer is in credential yet. But yeah, 
the football is a different story. I think um, my emphasis is always the first year and maybe the second year sometimes. Um, football set was a small set, but somehow they show up much kind of um, like much scarce. You couldn't see in them often. Um, I had some key cards, but yeah, that was not uh, possible like anytime soon, I would say. <laughs> yeah, maybe I have, I think one measure is um, 20 print run or less. That's kind of how, how, how much completion you have in that area. That's basically indicate how realistic is your goal. For, for football, I would say maybe 25%. <laughs> so that's very far from completion, I would say. Yeah, yeah, you're right. These one, these cards that are out of 20, even the ones out of 10 and less, and never mind mm -hmm. the one of ones, out of twos, out of threes, fours, fives, these are very tough. It can be almost impossible to complete some of these sets. What's up going on, Skeppy? Good to see ya. Joe Perot says, for Kobe serial numbered cards, Spino, do you prioritize number eight over 24? And for LeBron, six over 23? Or do you like both? Just curious if you like the earlier jersey number or if it's all the same for you. Okay. Um, for me, I always choose the true jersey number, which means... Um, the serial number has to match the picture, right? Um, picture that is depicted on the front of the card. Sometimes the jersey number is not visible. For example, uh, 2006 uh, credential Kobe. There's a dumb photo where, where you cannot see the jersey number, but then I would try to photo match and locate <laughs> the picture from the Getty image and I would know which jersey number. Yeah, I think the jersey number for that card is eight. So, yeah, I would chase eight instead of 24. Yeah. I mean, I hope everyone caught that, what he just said. So he's very, Spino is very into numbers and numerology. You you find importance in numbers. We know that from your Instagram page. So in a, I just have to repeat that because I find that fascinating. For a card where you cannot see the, the number on the player's jersey, you will go as far as trying to photo match that card. So find the image that that card's image came from, find it mm -hmm. online somewhere and yeah. maybe Getty images or something and yeah, that's, photo that's match the card and then figure out what game it was at or when it was when that photo was taken so you can know <laughs> what jersey number he was wearing and then you can hone in on that <laughs> specific card. That yeah. That is some serious dedication <laughs> right there. I've never gone that far with my... Yeah. Uh, in, in my hobbying, but uh, that's, I, I respect that, Spino. I, I respect that. Say hello to Chris. Uh, Bill the Hoff Collector says, man, this guy's Instagram is crazy. Yes, it really is. Uh, Jordan wants to know, will you be showing any cards tonight? Do you have any cards to show us a little later? Ah, uh, okay. Um, I, for me, it's like, uh, I have uh, cards kind of decentralized throughout the world. Um some in China, some locked up in the bank in the US, which I cannot access to. But there are some um, here in Berlin, in, also in banks, right? And also a little do bit. You have any, do you have any with you right now in the house? No, really. Um, Nothing? I, it's okay. I, but, uh, I, I could take a page out of uh, <laughs> David Chow's playbook using my phone <laughs> to show some, but. I, I kind of show all the cards on Instagram, like uh, fairly thoroughly, I think. Yeah. Uh, whenever I get to those cards, I can do some IG live to show it off a little bit when I visit the US in the future. Uh, yeah, that would be cool. No problem. He also wants to know what percent of your collection is basketball? 
Uh, right. Um, if this question was asked maybe um, four years ago, it would be mostly basketball. But right now, I kind of diversified into football a bit because football, the broadcast time on Sunday is it's normal hours, so I could catch the game. And once I watch the game regularly, it kind of got me curious to look into what cards those guys have, and that led to a big like football like outgrowth of my PC. Yeah, so I would say and maybe 40 and 60 and 40, 40 in football. Yeah, and I know you've uh, you've dabbled in hockey a little bit as well, so. We can, uh, cards. Yeah, we, <laughs> yes. of course, I love to hear for sure. For sure. Um, Sharp sports memorabilia says McDavid winning the cup will be huge for the hockey card market. It's the only name American influencers know. Yeah, that is, I think it's definitely uh, one of the few names they know. I think there's a couple more, but uh, as far as young players today, everybody knows about Connor McDavid. Mm -hmm. uh, this Facebook user have Matthews cup RPAs going down in price. I'm not sure. Patrick Gaskell, just to be precise, there are Skybox EX2000 credential cards that are not essential credentials. Yeah, those are the kind of what, what the essential credentials are, are mm -hmm. parallels of. I, I said kind of earlier that essential credentials are parallels of other inserts. And um, right. yeah, they're, they're, they're going deep uh, down the, the parallel ladder. Right. I think um, because um, I think they have the same designer, which is Arena Design, right? And we know now. And so they they release certain products throughout the sports in the calendar year. So it depends which come first. And the later years tend to be a little bit um, evolution or kind of um, souped up version, right? I think basketball came out first. So they ha only have... For this EX2000, they only have credential out of 499. But then for football and the baseball that came out, I think in the same year, but slightly later, they have essential credential in a year already. I think baseball is out of 100 and the football is out of 99, something like that, which is more kind of fancier looking foil on the front with a lot of stars and so on. So I, if you describe... Um, for football and baseball, the first ever essential credential you have to add um, with the this numbering system. That's kind of put it back like the 97, 98, like the real credential thing. I'm trying to find. I know I have an image of one of the uh, when you talked about this here. This card here. This is an essential credentials uh, Emmett Smith. Yeah. So that you were talking about, right? That is like right. the the Kobe credentials rookie year. Right, but a, uh, it's a more fancy version of it. But there's also right. regular version, uh, similar as Kobe. Yeah. Yeah. This guy, this card is numbered out of a hundred, so it didn't have that weird sort of staggered grading that we see in the more recent uh, essential credentials. Uh, David Chow says, "I tried hard getting him into hockey. He is probably annoyed by now." He also says, "I can vouch for this dude. He's one of the smartest math scientists I've ever met in my life. And please don't get him going." Don't let him get going after any cards you have. He hunts you down. <laughs> too yeah. good, too good. Latrell has a question for you, Spino. He says, do you know of any private collectors in China with crazy 90s basketball cards? I feel like some prefer to remain private. Do you agree with that? Right. Um, yeah, I do know at least, um, let's see. Yeah, I do know quite a few huge collectors which would uh, like 
basically shut down the Instagram if they start post a little bit. Um, but they prefer to remain kind of anonymous somehow. I would understand, like, sometimes it's like a double-edged sword, right? If you put out yourself out there with your, with your collecting style, people can target you a little bit, but it also can drive up the market. But on the other hand, sometimes people know you are after those kind of thing. There might be leads come your way, right, in a direct ma manner, and those things will, will not be available to them. So it's, it's a choice they made. I would say... Um, there are, I would regard a friend of mine as maybe top top three card collectors in China, in Asia, and he's not available. Like it's not visible, basically. His, his collection is insane. Yeah. yeah Hopefully I'm he sure. will be on Instagram sometime. <laughs> yeah, you should try and, try and get him on there for sure. Here's a comment from Skeppy. This is pretty funny. He says, flipping through your Instagram, it's like rare card, rare card, plate of food, rare card, paper dragon. LOL. <laughs> pretty good. Ray says, legendary collector. Always appreciate your knowledge and collecting style. Spino, very nice, very nice. And uh, to this person, I, I don't know if who, who this is, but if you go to streamyard.com slash Facebook, click the big blue button. And it will allow us to know your name or just come and watch on YouTube with everybody else. There's usually that's where everyone is watching it. Joe says, does Spino's family know what an amazing collection he has? And if so, what do they think? Yeah, what does your family think of your, uh, your collecting? Yeah, that, that's a very good question, actually. Uh, I think family aspect for different situations is very interesting, right? Different uh, at the early stage of my collecting, uh, I think I bought a few cars without letting my wife know, like, I'm, and it's hard for her to understand why I spend so much on certain things. Uh, back then it was like two or 3,000. But uh, since I'm a kind of a frugal type of uh, person, so that, that was shocking to her. <laughs> and, and, but yeah, that was a very, very rough beginning. And she actually, I bought like a LeBron, um, Topps Chrome, gold actually 0.5 away from pristine like very high grade that was a very popular card now right back then i got this card because kobe had this card basically top chrome like refractor and lebron has a gold version which is available only for lebron so i got that card and she found out and not very pleased and asked my good friend come over to Talk me not to be so irresponsible and things like that. So <laughs> later on, I, I kind of kept her in the loop. Like I, I tried to chase this and try to convince her. I think um, then she was on the kind of on the same page and actually a pretty good grader and the knowledge and the can predict price um, to some reasonable level. But then um, I became too passionate like in, in chase various things and she was so annoyed <laughs> so i have to kind of actually I, I, it's quite funny i have to went on the ground <laughs> for a little bit i could stop collecting kobe but i couldn't stop for credentials because if you stop uh, chasing some cards certain cards only show up once in a decade right you are toasted so i have to have my friends um, receive the cards for me <laughs> for those credentials and i was 
retired two times during the journey. <laughs> um, but then I always came back um, with a good convincing argument. And now she was, she's more like on the, yeah, supportive. And we, I try to um, break some boxes together with her and she likes those. So that, that kind of got her into it more. Yeah. She, she knows some of the values of the cards are like very high and a good investment um, from her angle because she can appreciate those cards, but also a good investment, right? From outsiders <laughs> viewpoint. Back then she would like to have kind of purses or some other things right now, if I offer to buy some nice thing for her and she says, maybe just buy your cards or something. <laughs> she doesn't need those <laughs> purses. <laughs> Well, you know, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Like I remember growing up and uh, mm -hmm. being a kid and going to the card store with my paper route money. You know, I, I used to deliver papers to make money in, in as a really young 11, mm -hmm. 12, 13 year old. And I would spend my all my money on the weekend at the card store. And I would mm -hmm. basically like sneak into the house with my cards so that my mother wouldn't get mad at me at, at, at wasting my money on sports cards and and nowadays now i think she wishes she was coming with me and spending all of her money on cards back then you used to have to yeah. hide it so i think we i think some of us know what it's like to uh have to get other people to warm up to what we're doing and uh you know it's also there are worse hobbies that we could all have that our, our partners right. would uh, absolutely yeah. much less I think proud of us for. is a really good healthy hobby i would say you learn a lot through this lens i met so many good people and, and I talk to the hobbyist more than the colleagues in my life, actually. <laughs> so it's yeah. kind of a different world. Yeah, I have it's, those two lives, you can see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's so true, right? It's so true. Uh, Latrell says, what is your number one chase card remaining for 90s basketball cards? Oh, okay. 90s basketball. Um, maybe I would, I would think it's possible it's less than it's less and less possible maybe a jordan pmg green at some point um but it's very tough now because it's probably the most the highest priced item right now and also a guy i think had four or five of them <laughs> and there are some big collectors have them so it's very hard and maybe also um what else uh, basketball wise um that's good that's okay Let, let's yeah. keep going because we got we got lots of comments here so let, let's right. keep on going yeah. through here uh yeah jordan said the same thing some of the top cards in your on your wish list here patrick gaskell says can you talk about any cards in private collections that would fetch eight plus figures if eight brought figures. to market so we're talking 10 million bucks do you know of any card that, that you think would bring in 10 million dollars right now off the top of your head Right. Uh, I have a friend who has a bunch of uh, um, Wagner um, T206 in like not as high grade, but high grade. I would say in the proper setting, they would hit eight figures for sure. Um, I don't know, maybe an ultimate logo man of various players like Jordan we saw in the PSA kind of reveal <laughs> maybe those will maybe have a, ch have a chance. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, you have to have um, two big buyers who really want it at the scene, right? So it's not uh, always sufficient um, to assume that, right? Kind of, for example, I mean, uh, in my recent uh, sale of a nice Jordan Auto uh, 1 for 1, I would say like 
most buyers for that probably don't know it's being offered. So that could lead to some um, not as ideal result as you would expect. Yeah. I mean, PSA 10, Mickey, 52 tops, Mickey Mantle will bring, mm -hmm. will bring uh 10 million or plus, I think, I think well in excess of that. And even the PSA right. nine Mickey Mantle is probably a $10 million card right now. But they're not okay. Moving, here's right? a, here's a question. I'm not sure. I'm going to let you decipher this one from vintage card collector. He says, can you talk generally about how many rare inserts you think are actually in existence compared to print runs? That's what I don't understand that part. Maybe you do. When you look at the numbers, graded it's often far less than the print run do you right. know yeah you want to speak uh, yeah. to that so he's probably mentioning about um so you when you see the serial number for example out of 50 but throughout last 10 years you only see if it's not jordan right jordan is more like visible if it's uh, another guy probably you only see like two or three times you would ex you would expect maybe most of them are throw away or gone but i think they are there basically not everyone is grading grading them to make them show up on a pop report grading was a more like recent phenomena i would say like try to maximize or make things less this in dispute uh i would expect because there's also hobbyists who has rare cards forgot about them or um in the storage locker untended un for right so the real things in circulation, I would expect maybe one third of them, maybe um, if the guy is popular. Yeah. For example, the Mutombo Credential Future out of 32, there's only one sale in the last uh, like 14 years. And I was a little, I had one which I dig through the Japanese um, kind of blog. I found one, <laughs> but there was one offered on eBay is instantly bought. I wish I acted a little faster, but <laughs> I know who got it and uh, showed to me like later. Yeah. So now you can at least try and uh, extract <laughs> it from him down the road at some point. A couple of funny comments. DR says, so the best advice I hear is don't tell my wife what I spend on cards. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Lee Haskins, I buy a card. It's about $1,000. And when I get it, I tell my wife it's about two fifty. I hope she's. I hope she's not watching right now. Lee, uh, very, very good one. Rodman Martinez in the out. Rodman, I wore the Rodman's PC baseball cap today when I was out walking with my daughter. I uh, just had to let you know. Glad to be here watching two great hobbyists and glad to have you here as always, Rodman. Brendan Ryan says, uh, Spinatron, have you ever considered the leap from collector to creator and designing a card set? Is that something you'd like to do? Yeah, if there is such an opportunity, I would like to definitely be part of the design. But I, I'm not sure my artistic kind of or my photo kind of shop uh, expertise is <laughs> up for that. But I would definitely explain what I'm looking for for certain things and they can probably make it better than already is. I think those designers are so underappreciated. I think the amount of stuff they have to put out year after year with such little time in between, I think it's insane. And those, after so many years you look back on, it's so classic, right? It's so like timeless somehow. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, really like agree, yeah. agree. Les Edwards says, do we ever have to worry about you jumping into the high-end hockey auto packed <laughs> market? I think he's hoping the answer is no, we don't need to worry, but what, what say you? Right. Uh, 
yeah, I, I don't know. I ha already have my kind of wish list kind of full up and I have to attack each of them because I have my goal and uh, kind of leads way long. I have to attack each before I move on to a new thing. I definitely would like to get into some of that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Another sure. sure. like uh, clash right. with you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, It'd be great to have you, but yeah, it would make it it would make it tougher for us to buy some of the cards if there's a you know another serious collector who's looking to acquire a nice collection and in in a quick fashion as well, right? We'd uh, we wouldn't be able well, you'd be driving up prices for 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 a while if you were to do that. Dave Boliton says eight figure cards, high grade Wagner PSA 10, 52 tops mantle. Otherwise, it has to be a bidding war for another card to hit eight figures today. I mean, maybe there's a there's a logo man or a shield or a something out there that would that would get there or a really rare, high grade, important Hall of Fame, vintage Hall of Famer, something like that. But ten million is a lot of money. But I think it's coming eventually. Skeppy mm -hmm. says, if you could add a value aspect to a card that you haven't seen yet, what would it be? Basically, what hasn't been made on a card before that you'd like to have? Can you think of anything? I mean, I think the company's been pretty innovative over the past several years, putting just about anything and everything into cards. <laughs> is there something yeah. that, that you've thought of that you haven't seen yet? Uh, yeah, this is an extremely good question. Um, yeah, I think there's definitely um, areas that has not been touched yet, right? Um, I don't know, like, for example, people are doing digital cards now, like the NFTs, and for those, the signature tends to be a facsimile signature, right? They could do a digital, like digitally signed and the patch is like just a picture printed off and that there should be some way to allocate a grade of patch in the real life in a museum or something, like something like that is not done yet. But for the actual physical card, I think there are certain combination of players, for example, logo auto or something that's it's not available yet maybe something like that. For example, Kobe Shaq logo auto would be nice, right? If they made it somehow mm -hmm. back then. It yeah. would be, it would be. But there are sure. many such things I couldn't think of on top of my head. There are definitely lots of things that hasn't been tried yet. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good to know that there's lots of things that haven't been tried yet. That means there's more innovation to come. Uh, okay, <laughs> yeah, Adam Holgate says, Spino calling another collection insane. Yikes, must be pretty crazy dave says lots of cards are sitting in closets at home like basically undiscovered i think a lot of 90s stuff is probably still undiscovered mm -hmm. uh peep says a question for you spino what is your most valuable non-serial number card oh not serial numbered um okay yeah so that by definition kind of um narrowed down the candidates to maybe a single digit um that's your number card um Right. Um, you what I have, have is not the most valuable on the market, but I have uh, something called uh, um, 2004 and five Immaculate of Kobe. It's not an Immaculate collection, but it's kind of um, short print. And it's, it's like one per case, but the checklist, the set is like 300 cards. So it's extremely hard to find only three graded from PSA and BGS. I think that's a very hard card to find. I have one copy recently, so yeah, maybe that. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, Here, here's a question from DR. Do you see any relationship between the Fibonacci <laughs> sequence and sports cards? Right, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so because um, if you look at, uh, in the nature, there are a lot of uh, Fibonacci sequence going on, right? The shell shape and the various flower arrangements. Uh, I did a post recently, like I try to, um, I'm not a holder, I would say, right? But for certain cards, I like the chase to to the complete the entire print run. And I did for a few sets only. And I put them in a one single picture and I look at the print run, somehow they are Fibonacci sequences. So it's like uh, two, one, two, three, five, and eight. So that was kind of funny. <laughs> so I, I made a post about it. Maybe he, he's referring to that. Otherwise, it's not possible to have this. <laughs> he, he very well, he very well might be. I just going to take a second while we have a lot of people in here, guys. Check out pristineauction.com. They're giving $10 off your first purchase if you use the code, the registration code SCL for Sports Cards Live. You see it on the ticker right now. Check them out new supporter of the show of the channel and uh hey they're offering 10 bucks off if you see something there you like buy it save ten dollars can't hurt can't hurt at all okay uh latrell and guys you guys are firing off some great questions here so uh keep them coming latrell says do you like grading your pc or grading doesn't matter to you for your for your pc cards and do you prefer ungraded in one touches so mm -hmm. a few right. questions there do you, yeah, do, I'm curious. Do you like to have your PC cards graded? And do you, if not, do you like one touches? Uh, yeah, I tend to keep them in the form they come in. So if it's graded already, I keep them that way. Or if it's raw, I tend to leave them raw. But sometimes, like once a year, I, I try to grade some cards, especially for the modern cards. If you want to uh, trade or move in them or um, kind of if you have a set of letters and some of them already in slab, maybe it looks better if everything is in slab. So, but I don't like uh, actively try to grade everything or in with a particular company. Yeah. So maybe not. If you yeah. buy a card and it, on, on eBay, let's say, or you, someone on Instagram, whatever it, it comes, it arrives at your place and it's mm -hmm. in a top loader with a sleeve. Do you, do you leave it in that top loader or do you put it into a one touch? Yeah, I tend to put it in the one touch, but in a raw fashion. Yeah. But uh, for prism type of cars, you have to protect the surface, maybe still in the like top loader for that card. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, I like this. Uh, DR clarifies down. He says, I'm not on Instagram, so I didn't see the post, but I heard someone say he was a mathematical genius. So I used the only math term I remembered. <laughs> thanks for coming out i love that that's great that's great all right we're gonna keep on going here uh lee haskins says what do you think what do you think would take a person who has an eight-figure card to actually sell it i think they are wealthy and may not ever sell it i mean divorce impending bankruptcy <laughs> impending death uh right. there's a few things i think that could do it or or just the fact that you bought the card for a thousand dollars or 10,000 or 100,000, and now it's worth 10 million. I mean, it's a lot of profit to, to realize, to lock in. So do you have any different answer to that that you can think yeah, of? Yeah, I think that you covered everything, basically. I think for 
yeah, either you're getting extremely early and want to, you know, change your lifestyle or, um, but some, sometimes uh, you have to really wait, wait for the person to kind of pass away in some sense to, to be able to get some cars. For example, I was chasing, um, at the very start, I already aware of Exquisite. Like first few years, there was such a big, like towering collector, basically getting everything, right? Like the master set collector. So I, the, the card I want most, like the auto patch one of one of Kobe in the first year, the base parallel, um, he had that uh, many years ago. So I had no chance to <laughs> compete because I wasn't around. And I was just hoping to outlast him <laughs> to be able to get it. But somehow one day, like he kind of get bored with his collection or maybe economy hits for his company or something. I don't know. So he sold everything. That's why we see um, two years of worth of top exquisite in the golden auction in the last two years. Yeah, that's him from him. Yeah, I, I managed to get that Kobe. So yeah, nice. and he's still well, I would say. So that's good for him. <laughs> yeah. Is that, the, is that the one that's known as the Puerto Rico collection? Right, yeah. yeah. Jim Tobinfeld, yeah. He's uh, yeah, not, on the board no. of uh, Hall of Fame. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I wasn't familiar with his name, but I've definitely heard of this collection. And uh, mm -hmm. when Golden had a bunch of those cards, that was uh, that was all the talk for sure. Uh, Jim, do you collect any soccer and non-sport? Right, a little bit, very tiny. Yeah, I collect a little bit. First year, uh, Immaculate for the soccer. So I have a uh, number of pieces for Messi and Ronaldo, but not, not too much. Okay, good, good. What's up, Baz? Baseball card curmudgeon. Good to see you. Thanks for joining the show. DR, talking about things in cards, he says the historic autograph card set with the U.S. presidents, they have hair strands in the cards. It is wild to think that a card can have a strand of Abraham Lincoln hair. Yeah, seen those before. You know, you know, in hockey, you you have fights on the ice. You know, what, why not get a bloody tooth put inside a card? I mean, I, <laughs> Yes, you can't. Yes, biology. There might be some some issues there, DK and stuff like that. But uh, Rick Bowman says something on a card with that. With what about some hair? Something on a card. What about some hair? Would be oh well. There you go. Just uh, that was just mentioned. And it's actually even happened. Who'd have thunk it? Right? Who would have thunk that it could have happened? But it has. It has. Right. Yeah. Here we go, Skeppy. Some of the cards you're after are likely still in sealed wax. Have you ever thought about which card you'd like to pull rather than find? Or, And I'm going to add to that. Have you ever opened up product just to right. find a card that you're looking for? Right. I did. Um, I definitely try to open a few um, representative products from every year. Just like to get my wife kind of <laughs> involved in the hobby a little bit, as I mentioned earlier. And also... Um, before the Grand Hill, Essential Credential 1 of 1 showed up. There's absolutely zero trace for that card. I did try to pull, pull it from opening some boxes. I think I opened eight boxes or so for the EX uh, 2001 credential, uh, the, the, the hobby box. But I put a zero credential, so let alone Hill 1 of 1. So yeah. It's very tough to pull. <laughs> yeah. Here's a, here's a great question from Dexlo. He says, Spinatron, how did you come up with your name? And are you in any way related to Megatron or Galvatron? <laughs> right. That's a very good question. Um, I think 
this, from the sound of it, it's kind of like a machine, right? Sometimes Instagram think I'm a machine, so they restrict my <laughs> ability to comment. <laughs> um, I think the the original source for that term is uh, I was very in interested into uh, some computing called quantum computing. So it's like a part of physics. Um, they use some notion from there to to increase the computing power dramatically. Like there's some thing called a Schrodinger's cat, right? Like the cat can live and die or somewhere in between, like something like that. So you have a bit which is somewhere in between and in to increase the computing power dramatically. And, but that was just a fantasy for now. But this spinotron is a, a, like a term referred to one of the bit that is kind of in the position of a two state kind of either the cat is live or death, but there's somewhere in between. So spinotron is a bit in a kind of a context. I like it, so I take it from there. So if you search that on the literature, you'll find something in computing. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. In interesting, confusing, uh, you know, high level, but uh, good stuff. But good stuff. It's actually a very popular name now. Like, uh, for example, uh, like Justin Sun Chuang, like one of the big crypto guy in China. He also have a Chuang to end his name. But I did it like a, maybe half a decade before him. Oh, <laughs> so it was, <laughs> so it's kind of cool. <laughs> right on. Say hello to Fox Gamer. Yo to you. Yo to you. Jeff Hart, what do you feel is the most important card that has not been seen or discovered yet? Does anything come to mind quickly? Okay, so you mean a particular card, right? Like not visible. Um, maybe the LeBron Vertical Logoman Rookie. It's not seen yet. I think the picture surfaced might be an um, advertised picture, not the actual card. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Thank you to Rick Bowman. Appreciate that. Latrell says, do you ever see yourself selling the collection or will it be for your kids one day? Good question. Yeah, I think What's the plan? If you, yeah. If you guys follow me on Instagram, I, I've been selling sometimes, right? From time to time, but only in a moderate amount. Um, Sometimes just to have fun, the further bigger purchase, or sometimes um, you just want to see the market, right? If something um, hasn't been sold for a long time, and there's no reference for anybody in the set, so it's sometimes you have to sacrifice yourself to help others, in some sense. But uh, the the key cards and the most important things, I think I I like to keep as long as I can. Yeah. Well, Kellen throws out the Luca Prism Black one of one. I mean, if that hasn't been pulled yet, that's a that's a monster mm -hmm. card for right. sure. No, yeah, no doubt about that at all. Back to that comment, um, James. And this is a, this is interesting. It's timely. What are your thoughts on? I think we're talking about the LeBron James Triple Logo Man that was recently pulled mm -hmm. uh, out of Flawless the, with three separate LeBron Logo Men, each one from each of the teams he's played for. What were your thoughts on that card? What do you think, uh, your thoughts on the card, Spino, and also what do you think it would be worth? Right. Um, yeah, I, I'm extremely a big fan of that card. <laughs> I wish uh, this thing happened maybe several years ago, then it would be within my reach. <laughs> now it's a little harder. And also it kind of create a lot of uh, 
frenzy, right? Like people try to chase it. It's kind of like the golden ticket they try to locate. Um, but also from the, I think it's concept that it's quite nice, like um, uh, legacy that is defined in different teams, like then and now, and each team has a championship attached to it. So it's extremely good card, I would say. Value-wise, um, because I think uh, the market has seen a huge growth, right, over the years. There are up and down for particular cards, but the overall market, especially the top tier item, you see that they push the ceiling, right, every every year. Like, um, But before that happens, the LeBron um, the All-Star jersey already sold for maybe 600,000, right? That was like maybe 2020 or something. So prices now could be even higher. But those are like from uh, his game war jersey, I would say around that ballpark. So for three pieces of a logo, man, you're already looking at the cost of maybe 1.5 million or something. I don't know. <laughs> for if it, I mean, but recently there are some uh, LeBron finals jersey doesn't sell that high. But yeah, I mean, the costs are already high. I think Panini my, my, my must have have them in stock um, for a long time, right? They throw them onto a card. Definitely not acquired recently from the secondary. So I would, from that perspective, I would put the card well above one million dollars, just because, um, yeah, the item yeah. it takes to to produce it. Yeah, somehow. Sort of a off topic, but I just thought of this. I wanted to ask you, when it comes to serial numbers on cards. Right. Do you have a favorite serial number? Like if it's out of a hundred, is there a, is there a number out of a hundred that, that is your favorite that you'll buy any card that has it, or you'll you'll wait for that particular number? Right. And if so, what that's is a, it? Yeah, that's a great question. I think for the serial collector, this every person tend to have such a number. I, for me, it's like a number five um, because um, yeah, it's. It's Kobe's ring count, but the number five is already way before this. Um, it was always my the number attached to me when I was a student, like number five in the class, um, somehow ranked. Um, and also it's uh, kind of number five is also possible for almost all the serial number of cards, right? You have a out of 10, out of five, it's always there. Yeah. If you're looking for there. like higher, it's not possible. <laughs> yeah. Card Shop Dad says, what's the best card you've ever pulled? Uh, okay. Um, I pulled a card. Um, I pulled a, because I, my luck is not so great, combined with my volume of breaking is not so huge. But actually, the first card I pulled back in the 90s is quite good. It's like the Vince Carter Titanium out of 40, the rookie card. A motor Metal, yeah. I think that card was big card back then. Still a nice card now. That that, that would uh, kind of uh, set me like uh, because my my cousin at that time said, "Okay, you can sell it to the shop owner and get more packs, maybe." But I said, uh, "No chance." <laughs> so... I'll, I'll keep the card. I'll keep the card for sure. Yeah. All right, here Eric says we had a Schrodinger's cat reference tonight. What show is this? Am I in the right place? <laughs> yes, you are, Eric. Yes, you mm -hmm. are. Uh, Jordan Hagedorn, good to see you, brother. Been a long time. Says, beyond Spinatron's amazing collection, he is also just a kind and cool person. He is great for the hobby. Need more hobbyists like you. 
brother. Much love. Very nice, Jordan. Good to see you. And I uh, hope to see you in Atlantic City at the end of July. Uh, Lee Haskins, do you collect any vintage cards? Uh, you no. Any? Yeah. For me, I kind of I, I can appreciate people like vintage card because the card itself is like a piece of history, right? You, you look at it, it's kind of just very iconic <laughs> without seeing much. And also I try to visit the Met Museum to see this Wagner from um, the guy who come up with the, the name T206. That's his card glued to an album, which donated to Met Museum and displayed there. But they always rotate the exhibition. I never managed to see it there. So I definitely appreciate the vintage, but I, I don't know. I don't own anything as of now. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. uh, let's we'll do this quickly, DR. I don't I don't mind at all. Actually, he says, I know we don't usually talk about NFTs, but I think it would be wise to hear what what Spinatron thinks of them or not. It's your show. Obviously, we're we're going to do that. Your your, okay. your general thoughts on NFTs. Are they interesting to you? Do you see them? Uh, intersecting with the hobby. What are your thoughts, Spino? Right, yeah. Um, right, very quickly, I think uh, the blue chip NFT are very short list, right? If you think of it as the investment, you have to be extremely selective. There are only a few names out there, but um, I think he's mentioning about the sports NFT, like the Panini and also other company they try to do. I think they are quite uh, interesting. Um, yeah, without getting too much details, I think that they have uh, various upside. Like um, sometimes they release a little bit ahead of time before the physical cards. For example, the Prism is already available like in the Christmas time, but it's just recently hit the shelf, right? Physically. So you already know from a different market which player is good and how to chase them, how to search for them. It can prepare you for this. And also... Um, there are certain configuration of cards that is not available from the usual products. For example, Prism with the shield or auto uh, with the logo man is not available. So you have to go there to get those. So I, I welcome any innovation in the hobby. I think it, it could potentially yeah, bring it more kind of functionality to the hobby. Yeah. Okay, there you go, DR. Jordan Reichard says, do you ever enter into breaks? Yeah, I did a few times, but um, yeah, I, I only when I feel like it, it's not a, a kind of a habit or something, but it, it's, it's fun once in a while. Yeah. Once in a while, once in a while. Mm -hmm. And Rodman wants to know, which was the biggest draft bust you got behind and purchased cards of out of the gate? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I'm not a prospecting guy, so I, I don't like really buy them, like hoard them before they materialize into anything. And then look back and say, oh, what a waste of money. <laughs> like the, um, maybe, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, did, I did buy uh, quite a few Lakers rookies because as a Laker collector, you are kind of have very high hopes, right? They developing something. <laughs> I was on like, Ingram, Lonzo, and uh, Kuzma. I de definitely have some very nice cards. I never imagined LeBron would have came over and <laughs> because he is kind of toxic to the kind of draft capital, right? I think, yeah. Once they are out of Lakers, they all developed into some good players, but they are like, like a appeal, just not there for the collectors out of Lakers franchise, right? 
Yeah. So I yeah. would say that that was kind of <laughs> yeah my my fair share of past <laughs> experience. <laughs> got it. Got it. Okay. Good. Lee Haskins says I'm a hockey guy. I know Jeremy is. Does Spinatron own any big hockey cards? Well, why don't you talk about the one that you you did just buy a pretty big hockey card? I I watched that auction ending and I was like, I wonder who I wonder who bought that card and now I know it's you. But uh, why don't you talk about that card and any others right. that you have? Yeah, I, I before this show, right? I showed the latest post on the Instagram. Basically, that's all the extent of my hockey collection. Just to pay a homage to you and uh, David <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, the, on the first slide, it was that Crider uh, credential future rookie, right? One for one. I think, yeah. Yeah, this one. That right um, there. Yeah, I and think it it's a surreal to see this card offered live. Basically, um, I'm just showing the one of like Deja Vu. Just showing the one of one stamp. I know it's hard to mm -hmm. see, but it, there it is. Oh, yeah. It's the one of one, and that's the Chris Crider credentials. Who This card, I mean, Chris Crider really up until this season, uh, ever since his rookie season, hasn't been much of a hobby darling, but he had a really good year. I think he had over 30 goals. I don't think he had 40. He might have. And uh, well, but he has the one-of-one one credentials from 2012 Fleer Retro. So that's a pretty big card. And you mm -hmm. now own that card. So that's, right. that's a set that some people are looking to complete, Billy Hausman included. And he's not going to be able to because you have that mm -hmm. card now. So uh, that's a big card. Yeah, I'm sorry for him, but uh, yeah, he also. <laughs> I also won the Ovechkin uh, out of two. He he owns. He is a great collector. I did a, a, um, a Instagram story share, like matching my uh, group photo of Credential with his. I think it's quite nice. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh. Like has all those uh, credentials. And I just see Jeff McMahon informs us that he scored over 50 goals this year, Chris Kreider. So. <laughs> Yeah, I knew he had a 52. Thank you, fellas. Uh, there we go. You all know he scored over 50. Thank you guys for straightening us out on that. I, I, I yeah, I it slipped my mind, but wow, what a, what a great year. That's a breakout year for him. And uh, they must, I, I turned off the game tonight in the middle of the second period. They were up four to one to go to game, which will lead to a game seven against Carolina in the, uh, in the conference semifinals. So um, that's pretty, uh, pretty good stuff for him. That, you know what? He's a good he's a good player spin on that. That's a great card for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I think uh, to okay. Redman's question, all the credential future one of one I have a complete bust. Maybe this one is a different story. <laughs> it might be. It might be. It very he very well might be. Gerald Fortier in the house. What is going on? G says, What's up, Spino? What are your top three favorite Kobe Bryant autographs? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um I like the 90s Kobe Auto a lot. I think the the one I have, like the 99 Encore Game Jersey Auto out of eight. Uh, I have two copies of it. Um, that was uh, one of them for sure. Um, I think he also has a, like a Topps Chrome uh, Stadium Club or I think it's like Refractor type um, Atomic Refractor Auto from 99. I think that's one of the top Kobe Auto, which I don't have. <laughs> and yeah. the other one, maybe I would say like the the 03 exquisite base parallel auto patch one of one, which I got I mentioned earlier. That that's one of my favorite. Yeah. Those three yeah. maybe. There you go, Gerald. And I uh, will see you in Atlantic City. I am sure. 
Tom Bullard, what's going on? Good evening to you. Uh, Eric tells us that the the rain the the goalie for the New York Rangers, Igor Shesterkin, had two assists tonight. Now goalies <laughs> don't usually contribute yeah. to the offense, but he had two assists tonight. That is a big deal. Congrats to to Igor Shesterkin, who is is up for the Vezina Trophy for the best goalie of the year, and also for the Hart Trophy for the best overall like MVP of the league which is pretty cool. I want to bring up this comment from Henry from a few minutes ago. He says, I am buying rare 90s insert and parallel Jordans and Kobe's. My dream car to own was 98 Fleer, brilliant, 24K, Kobe. I never see it for sale on eBay. Please help. Is this a card that you think he'll be able to find, Spino? I think this car recently surfaced in either PWCC or Golden or Alt. I think, yeah. Hopefully the buyer will offer it again. Sometimes they do. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do for sure. And Card Vibe says, I know you're a big Kobe fan, but do you have any Tim Duncan in your collection? Great battles back in the day. Right. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, for me, like this battle or this pairing kind of uh, theme is very like prevalent in my collecting. So I do have some Duncan, which matches Kobe. For example, um, recently I showed, I think within my last six posts, I have a Duncan credential um, triple. All of them are out of two, like two out of six, the rookie year, and also two further, which are a print run 20 or less. So they are really rare. So by all matching number out of two, which is a partial <laughs> Partial number into his jersey number. <laughs> partial so, jersey number. You were mad if I see something like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Duncan's a, a player who he gets some hobby love, but uh, I think he probably deserves more. He, he shows up on so many people's top, top 10, 10 lists of all timers and even some yeah. top fives. I see it. So mm. he's somebody who, uh, you know, but it might be the market he played in or something to do with his personality. I'm not exactly sure, but a uh, good player nonetheless, of course. I'm going to take a minute, actually, guys, and just if you weren't here at the beginning, there's going to be no show, no sports cards live next Saturday. I'm going to be in Toronto at the Sport Card Expo, and I'm just going to enjoy myself on Saturday night. And not that I don't enjoy myself here. I certainly do, but I'm not going to do a show. Uh, but I am doing a special show on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, May the 31st at 9 o'clock Eastern. And uh, this is actually going to be episode number one of a five-episode series where I'm going to be uh, reveal working on, on this or revealing uh, tag grading, technical authentication and grading company. So some people might say another grading company. Well, yes, but this is the, uh, this is the, the truest automated grading system. Uh, that the hobby has. And so we're going to do episode number one on Tuesday. Meet the founder. His name is Steve Cass, and he will be joining me on Tuesday to talk about his history, uh, the history of the company, what, what, what they've been working on for literally 10 years to develop the software, the equipment that they use to automate grading, meaning that they don't employ card graders. It's all done automatically. Episode number one is going to be on Tuesday, May the 31st. Uh, just let me look at my notes here quick. Episode number two, a week later, the, the Tuesday after the expo, June the 7th, we're going to be looking at their the differentiators, including their grading scale, their slab, which it really did blow my mind when I saw it. Episode three on Saturday, June 11th, we're going to look at their digital image and grading report, their order management system, their pop report, 
In the fourth episode, Saturday, June the 18th, we'll see a demo of their automated grading system. It's going to be really cool. Really cool. Uh, episode number five will be June the 25th. We'll discuss their their vision for the future of grading and their go forward plans. And like I said before, it's going to be unlike anything that we've ever seen before in the hobby as far as grading goes. I do suspect that this is going to be the disruptor that the hobby has been waiting for when it does come to grading. So again, tune in Tuesday, nine o'clock Eastern with me here. And you're we're going to meet Steve Cass, who's the founder of this company. And um, this is not something that just just uh, came up overnight. They've been working on this behind the scenes for 10 years. So really cool stuff. Okay, sorry. I just wanted to get that out of the way because we have a lot of people watching right now and people come in and out, Spino. But I'm really excited to be uh, hosting Steve. And we're going to meet his whole management team and the development team and everything. So you talk about transparency in the industry uh, or the lack thereof. And um, these guys are, are are aiming to turn that around. So uh, yeah, join me. It's gonna be it's gonna be mind blowing. I tell I'll tell you that right now. Okay, let's keep on. Glenn Scribner, here's a question, Spino. I'd like your opinion on this as well because you show nice cards on Instagram all the time. It says, do you recommend I put up all my the cup RPA rookie cards like McDavid etc. on Instagram, or would I get too many buyers messaging me? So. Listen, I mean, I, I know what he's talking about here, Spino. I know I know Glenn from Facebook. He's got so he's got a crazy collection. But why don't you explain what happens when you show absolute like I don't want to say grails, but they're basically we use that term loosely now, but grails and you know, super tough to find high-end cards of the best players in their respective sports. What happens when you put those up on Instagram? Do you get bombarded? Um because I have a reputation of not selling much, so not many people try to <laughs> approach me to buy. Um, but for the ones I, uh, that do reach out, I make a new friend, I would say. Yeah. So, but I, I would imagine like if you put, I think the very first time you put a card on that hasn't been posted before, I think uh, you get a lot of interest, a lot of likes, a lot of comments, DMs for sure. But if you yeah. post it again, again, then, I mean, even for me, for example, Kobe Green, I post a few times. The later times is not as exciting for those guys <laughs> as the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and my my response to you, Glenn, is that um, it's too. It, it's kind of a double edged sword. On the one hand, I'm like, yeah, come on to Instagram. It's, I mean, it's a lot. For the most part, it's a lot of fun. It's a great. It's a great way to. Uh, you know, consume hobby content and just scroll and look at cards and make comments and post some cards and interact. And if nothing else, you'll show some big cards. Some people might offer you cards that you're looking for. That's another thing that can happen. It can go that way as well. And that could, right. you could find cards you never thought you'd find before. That does happen regularly on Instagram. Uh, but, you know, people message, you can also just put not for sale, not for trade. Do not contact me. I will not move this card unless you want to pay me, you know, <laughs> a ridiculous price but i'd say come on come on there and uh you know hey you can just manage those messages as you would want to dr has a question spino do you have any thoughts on the growth of the wnba card market over the past few years and and moving forward too right yeah i i collect a little bit like sabrina like the kobe's protege right um the card prism gold a little bit but uh i haven't paid too much attention to it but the her cards are so crazy, like the rookie uh, Prism Gold. Yeah, it's very, 
very high selling. So I would say for certain guys, like well-established guys, maybe uh, girls, girls. <laughs> they, they will yeah, definitely um, have a good market there for sure. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? I'll add to that and say that this hobby is growing and it's growing into, you know, demographically as well. There are more women in this hobby than really ever before, as far as I, I've seen. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I've talked to many of them who are collecting female athletes. So, I mean, I, th I think they still need the male purchasers as well, the male collectors to really make sure that WNBA cards can last and, and have enduring value. Uh, but let's not underestimate how many women are in the hobby right now. And, uh, you know, it kind of, I think it kind of makes sense that they, a lot of them are focusing or collecting, you know, male athletes, but a lot of them I've talked to are collecting some female athletes too. So the WNBA, I mean, those are some, mm -hmm. those are some, amazing athletes in that league so it doesn't wouldn't surprise me to see that uh that brand continue and as far as long-term value uh time will tell i'm not gonna make any guesses on that uh lee haskins says i'm going to the national in july in atlantic city i don't know all the great collectors faces maybe i'll just hang out around jeremy's table assume they will come to him um well <laughs> i don't know that number one i don't know that i'm gonna have a table uh and uh number two you know, Lee, I would say if you see me, definitely, definitely when, if you see me wherever, just flag me down, say hello, introduce yourself. And, um, you know, I'll introduce you to all the collectors around at that time. And uh, hopefully you can grow your network there. It uh, should be pretty easy. I mean, we're the, the in person. The hobby is a wonderful thing. In, in person, people are very friendly, a lot friendlier than they are uh, when they're behind <laughs> their keyboards and their screen. In person, it, it's a wonderful thing, the hobby. Tan TK, is Steph Curry overrated? Is it better to unload his cards now? I'm not going to answer that. I, I, I'm not going to give you that sort of uh, financial advice, Tan. Uh, Spino, do you have any uh, response to that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think their team is stacked and uh, they always organically grow players. I think um, if he can win like one or two more rings, it's a, a different category. Yeah, I would try to keep them. Uh, keep the cards for now, maybe, and also just immediately after they won the the ring, and the market needs some time to catch up. So you would think like to sell right after the ring is a good idea, but maybe not. Just keep a little bit longer, and yeah, I think he's he's um, approaching to the LeBron level, and also he changed the game, and so on. So I think a lot of investors are on on him. So there are strong hands supporting the market. So it's looking up, definitely. I have uh, not much uh, curry cards, so it's very unbiased opinion. <laughs> I don't have any Steph Curry cards, and I would love to have even just one in my collection. So maybe one of these months. I think it was a good thing I didn't buy it at the end of last year, kind of right around that three-point record, uh, especially leading up to it. Um, but um, something that I'd like to add to my collection in, the, in, the, in due course, I'll say. I'll say in, in due course. Uh, back to the female cards, uh, for sure. Uh, uh, says DR, as a, as a father of three daughters, I have made it a long-term project to collect Hall of Fame female athletes autograph cards in WNBA and U.S. women's soccer. So there's another thing. Fathers assembling collections for their daughters. I think that's a wonderful thing. Uh, kudos to you doing that for your kids, DR. Dave Bolaton says Curry wins and he will have as many titles as LeBron. That's a big deal right there. Dave says Curry wins two or three. Curry wins two or three more, and maybe he's the best player in the 2000s 
and not LeBron. Yeah. Hey, I, I, I'm not an expert, so I'm not going to comment. I'll say, yeah, maybe, maybe that could happen for sure. For sure. Uh, I'm going to go back to this one here now. Oh, no, sorry. We covered that already. Skeppy's comment here. With more collectors than there are cards in existence with low serial numbers, etc., what advice can you give towards cards or sets that people are overlooking? How can the collector evaluate alternatives? Like, this is a really good question. I think, Spino, can you uh, take a second, process it, and then and, and give your best <laughs> response to this? Okay, uh, yes. I mean, really, what yeah. advice can you give towards cards or sets that people are overlooking? What, what do you think is something that could, you know, have a run-up in the future value-wise? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think the easiest way is to find um, the historical significance, right? The first ever this notion, that notion, I think those tend to be overlooked because it requires some research and knowledge, right? I think one way to do research is to use the Beckett, the website or the app where you can, they, they have very good um, checklist, right? You put some keywords like, for example, Kobe autograph or auto patch, something like that. And it will give you a like entire list. And then you can just go through the list and can know which one is the first or how many there are. I think you can find rarity within that, like a certain notion, right? And that will definitely has value because people don't realize that and they don't search that often. Uh, and also um, a natural way is like, for example, a particular product is very popular. Usually the first year of certain things, right? Like first exquisite or first credential, for example, but then the year after, or a different sports, but uh, the, the best player in that sports tend to be lagging behind a little bit. Maybe you can get it. For example, I got the uh, Ovechkin PMG Green, um, which is the hockey first, right? And I got that fairly cheap back then because I was chasing the basketball version, which started to go up. And then I looked around and find other sports and they are like sell peanuts. So I got some of them and now they are like, sell as hard as the basketball, I would say. Yeah. So that, that's, I think that's a good analogy and some connection and do some research. I think there are some opportunity for sure. I think that's a great answer. And the reason I can say that is because that's what happened to me, Spino. When I, I started I was an I was an auto patch guy and a vintage like rookie card guy and some non rookie cards as well, and then I I was exposed to the rare inserts of the '90s, the second half of the '90s, and I started with basketball in about 2017, I would say, and it opened up a whole new world to me. It also made you know kind of one way or another, it led me down the path to discovering. The, the rare hockey inserts. So here I am collecting late 90s rare inserts of Michael Jordan and Shaquille O'Neal. Mm -hmm. And then I, then I realized, well, wait a sec. I've seen cards that look like this that came out of Fleer Retro Hockey and Fleer EX in 2008 and Retro in 2012 and Showcase in 13, 14, 15, 16. And I was like, wait, these cards, nobody's, nobody's collecting these cards. They're so cheap. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to load up on these because they're so cool. 
And I saw the potential future value. So the funny thing is that, yes, you know, you buy these cards, you get in ahead of the curve and then they go up in value, sometimes beyond your wildest expectations. But as a collector, it's like, well, great. Uh, but I'm still not going to sell them because I want to own them. I don't, you know, so it's nice that they've gone up in value, but, but really it just means I can buy fewer of them now because they've gotten more expensive. So it's also a double-edged sword. Listen, I'm not complaining about having cards that went up in value, but I haven't been able to buy as many two weeks ago when PC sports cards sold you your Crider and they had up that whole run of 2012 Fleur retro inserts. I had my eyes. I thought I was going to spend a ton of money. I could only buy one card for like 350 bucks. I was planning on spending a lot more money. I couldn't find, I couldn't win. I was outbid on everything. So these yeah. cards are so much more expensive now. So the point being to Skeppy's question is what I did is I looked at what was going on in, in other sports and then I applied it to the sport that I was collecting the most and it worked out. Now I find myself, there's one, there's one insert card and it's from, I think it's from a Fleer metal set in 1990. I'm not sure. I'm going to share it with you guys. I'm going to show if I can find, I was watching some on my watch list. If I can find one in my ended listings here while I'm rambling to scroll until I find it, I'll show you what the card is. Uh, it's not showing up here. It's a, it's a, I wonder if anyone out there knows what this card is that I'm referring to. It's an acetate card. There's two versions. There's the yellow or green and the orange. And yeah. they're called... Oh, I can't remember what they're called right now, but they're in football. I think they're, I think they might only be in football. Anyway, it's a, I know this is a terrible story because I can't even tell you what the card is that I bit. I did hold on. Let me, I bid on this one card last night. Actually, I did not win it. So let me look at my, at my bids and this should bring up the card and I can share it with you guys. It's not coming up. Didn't win. Go to didn't win here. Here we go. 1999 EX Century Bright Lights. So look at this card. Hmm. It's from 1999. It's like an acetate. I think it's a pretty cool card. This is a Barry Sanders. This sold for $42. I didn't even win it because I'm just <laughs> learning about it. But you know, you can there's one, there's buy it now's on eBay for 40, 50 bucks. But like this is a beautiful card. And I'd never seen it before I stumbled upon it on eBay. And it's like, wow, maybe I'm going to try and pick up the the main guys, you know, the Barry Sanders, the Emmett Smith, the Marino, the Elway, you know, these guys uh, from that set. Now I might have just driven up the price. Who knows? But <laughs> again, point being that there are still cards out there that the hobby is included into that are pretty cool. Maybe this card is has a high print run, so it never will be worth anything. But who cares? It's I still like to own it. It's still pretty cool. Have you seen that card before? No, the first time. <laughs> first time, right? Exactly, yeah. first time. That is, that is, uh, it's a huge, vast ocean. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, uh, you learn everything new every day, basically. Lots to discover for sure. Lots to discover. Okay, Kevin says if and in af- sorry, if and and <laughs> if and if the Avs win, does McKinnon finally get that bump like to Matthews prices in PSA ten? Uh, yeah, I think he does, uh, Kevin. I think I think McKinnon is is as good as he is. I think he's undervalued in the hobby, just from what I, just my perspective, my perception of it all. Lee says my favorite women's cards are the two Mia Ham Sports Illustrated cards and PSA nine PC cards for sure. Very good. 
And Jim throws out the uh, the evergreen, well, the 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 opposite of evergreen comment. But let's go to it because this is interesting. Well, I put this one to you, Spino. What do you think about the current state okay. of the card market? I mean, this is it. This is the, the ongoing. Everyone wants to talk about this. I do too. I like talking about it. What do you think about the current state of the, of the sports card market? Right. Um, yeah, it's a very loaded question. Um, I think I can spend like maybe half an hour to answer it. But let me just give some brief thoughts. <laughs> I think it's, um, I would say it's very active, very healthy and like a lot of people from various different um, backgrounds and end game, right? They are part of the market. I think it's as popular as it's ever be. And most of them, I don't even know the cards that well. So there will be uh, further, like if they can stay longer and enjoy it more and grow, grow the, the whole, um, like the space as people say it, um, it will be uh, even better, I think. I, I kind of, um, some people try to put it as an asset class, right? Kind of try to compare different, like the growth and like the return of investment and those kind of thing. But I think uh, the cards, the, the, one of the argument is like, they try to make it more analytic driven, right? Try to show, okay, a certain card sold as such and a, a few weeks later or a month later it sold either um, um, like a little bit down or up or whatever but I, I would say because the data points is essentially like two points right I think sh people shouldn't <laughs> um, make too much conclusion out of it because um, sometimes um, for a particular auction it's really um, depend on whether people are participating on it or not, right? There are people who win auction and immediately try to resell things and uh, even successfully doing so like systematically because people don't see them sometimes or don't have the means to acquire them at that time, right? And those people provide them some more flexibility to acquire them through trades or payment kind of payment plan or some other things. So it kind of, but also get something in return. So it's, so there are people like this and, but sometimes that, that can lead to a price kind of increase, right? And uh, in a, in, in such a way, but there are also times where two guys battle out and one guy try to resell the card maybe within half a year. In that case, because it could be a bidding war and the third guy is way down, right? And also the second guy might be the underbidder who might get a little bit um, discouraged and not uh, participate in the reselling. So that could lead to a big drop in price. So this kind of thing happens. And if you know behind the scene on certain auctions, you know, why price behaves such way. But that shouldn't interpret as the market is going down, right? Because of you see that. So you should be, um, because the, the, the market uh, mechanism is different to, to the stock market. People have sentimental value attached to it. And for the really good stuff, if you offered basically gone within like half a day, I would say. 
So, for example, you put a very nice card on eBay, the top offer roll in within minutes, and it's gone within half a day usually if you priced it carefully. So I would say that that's a totally different mechanism to other market and actually very uh, uncorrelated to that other market. So it, it's very good uh, as a kind of alternative investment you, if you like part of your portfolio, if you think of uh, as investing, try to hedge against the like other market which tend to move in unison, right? As, as you can see, like, Market right now is not in best shape, but the card is still doing very good numbers across the board. I would say, yeah, I'm very kind of bullish in this area, <laughs> and there's so much um, to to like for people even to do not really know the market so well, and they are willing to to put a significant time and resources to it. I think the future is bright, and and also the the big company Fnatic has a crazy valuation, right? They are very good at fundraising. So if the the producer of the like the collectibles is so like um, have such confidence in the space, so everyone should be feel very good to be in this space. I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, well said, and. Uh... I like when you were talking about, you know, some cards can sell really high because you have those top two bidders that are in mm -hmm. a bidding war and the third guy might be a lot lower. And, mm -hmm. you know, once those top two cards sell for a lot of money, that's going to bring more and more of that card out of the woodwork and into the market. But those right. top two guys already have their cards. So the next time it comes, it's it might sell for less. And mm -hmm. then what happens is you get the scared money or, or the scared collectors mm -hmm. and, and investors in the hobby who notice that and they say, hey, that card went from being worth, you know, in the case of Michael Jordan, $720,000 down to down to 400, down to 350. I better sell mine before it bottoms out. More and more <laughs> come onto the market. And now we have a sky is falling situation and narrative mm -hmm. that, that that really, it, 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 it snowballs out of control in the hobby and in the hobby narrative and, and in hobby mm -hmm. content. But really what's happening is we're having a shakeout of, of the week, the non-collector, I would say, the people yeah. who don't really want to, who aren't looking to hold these things, we're shaking them out. They're, 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 they're too, uh, they're too scared to hold on to their cards. And then, mm -hmm. and then we, we will eventually stabilize again once that cycle works itself out and then it will build back up and right. count yeah. on it. It'll happen again. So it'll get so mm -hmm. high more cards will come out of the woodworks and it'll come down again. It'll keep on going up and down, up and down, just like mm -hmm. every other market in the world, mm -hmm. except the Honus Wagner market. That market never goes down in value. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, no, yeah, neither do a few, some, some of the, the best cards never do. But I think I think you get my point with that. But uh, good, 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 good question, Jim, uh, on one of the most common questions in the hobby right now is what, what is your, what are your thoughts on the state of the market? But thanks for that. Let's see. Lee Haskins says, I think the very modern state of the market is in trouble. I think we, I think the low print vintage will fall some, but long-term will be the best part of the hobby. I think, I think the, not just the low print vintage, but to me, you've also got that low print, like best players, you know, the, 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 like the credentials and these kinds of things that are just, I think they're here to stay as well. Uh, right. For example, I'm a strong credential collector, right? I also chased in that um, kind of unloading of the credential hockey. I bid on like five of them. I only won one. So if I'm one of the strongest like credential collector, 
So if I wouldn't be able to win auction, how can the market is falling? That's no no chance it's falling. <laughs> it's falling on it's falling on on the common cards, really. Yeah. And some some of the not, I guess some of the, yeah, the listen, when I say it's falling on the common cards, I mean the Michael Jordan rookies, the Wayne Gretzky rookies, the you know, yeah, the, the common stuff. The, yeah. yeah, the hype, the cards that were meant to be in binders, putting sets together back when mm -hmm. kids were doing it in the and adults in the 70s, 80s, 90s. I mean, but but I saw a question earlier on. I, I just came back to me. Someone asked, who's the best uh, Hall of Fame football player to invent? I can't find the question right now, but I was going to say like Jim Brown, you know, Jim Brown, Joe Namath. Like these are guys that are not going anywhere. Um, but I want to go to DR's question here. While cards can be bought and sold, the priceless thing about the hobby is the fact that 100 people around the world can come together on a Saturday night or Sunday morning if you're in Berlin like Spinatron is hang out talking cards cheers to you all that's a great comment dr kind of helps to recenter everything right no matter what's going on in the hobby we all have this hobby in common we all like or love our cardboard it, and like spinatron said before you know we can make really good friends because of this commonality that we have our this common interest we can also make some pretty good enemies i think or adversaries in the hobby we're seeing more and more of that lately but that's that's what's going on in an excitable market and that's what we have right now oh there it is there's tan's question right there the the hall what half an nfl hall of fame rookie would be best to invest in mm -hmm. uh joe perot says spinatron dropping some wisdom thank you glenn scribner for that comment appreciate it lee says fanatics will be the leader in the modern card we will see we'll see what happens well best space to be in says gerald i mean if any of you know gerald fortier Windy yep. City, what's your name on IG, Gerald? Windy City Sports Cards. He's a yep. he's an he's an OG guy. I've known Gerald. Yeah, for, yeah. Known and Gerald he he also helped me years. in my collection a lot right back then. <laughs> he's helped you, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a guy that people who've been around the hobby for a while definitely know uh, Gerald and a great uh, just a just a good dude, Gerald. Always good to see you in the chat, buddy. Lee says, I've never sold a card, so I'm a collector. Yeah, you certainly are. And Gerald <laughs> says, record breaking sales weekly, but yes, market. Is horrible. Yeah. LOL. I mean, it's like, it's like, I wish I collected this horrible market because I, like I said, the cards that I want to buy just mm. go up in value. I mean, they, yeah. I can't afford them anymore. I'm getting outbid more than I ever got outbid before. So the narrative that the hobby, that everything is, the sky is falling. Listen, there is, there are cards where that is applicable. I'm not saying it's a, I'm not saying it's a fallacy. There are cards where the sky is falling. But look at the populations of those cards. It just comes back to you have to you listen. I'll always collect collect what you like. But if what you like is going to go down in value, try not to get hurt by that. But collect what you like, and hopefully some of the things you like are cards that won't go down in value that are rare, rare and of <laughs> popular players. There's Gerald's IG, Windy City underscore Sports Cards. Give him a follow if you haven't yet. He's just a great hobbyist overall. And someone who's always set up at the, at the at the national. And for the first time tonight, we are at the bottom of the comments. We are at we are a minute shy of two hours going here. Spino, this has gone way faster than I, than it feels like. So right. uh, we can wrap this up. Uh, listen, you started on the show here at four a.m. your time. The windows behind you were much darker. I can see the sun must be up because okay. uh, it's got to be about six a.m. where you are now in Berlin. So. Uh, right. Yeah. Any anything you want to uh, thank you, Gerald. Appreciate that, buddy. Anything you want to uh, say, comment, leave the hot, leave, uh, leave the uh, the audience with any thoughts. 
Okay, uh, but th there's a comment about how did you get uh, Hill and Mercer one for one? Like right um, there. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, maybe uh, I because uh, just maybe give a quick uh, story around those. Um, so the for the Mercer one for one is actually the chase card of the of that year, right? Because Mercer was highly touted and also the card was pulled on a magazine. Um, it was uh, published in a back magazine, if you, you can find it, I think in 98. Um, so I know the name of the store. I try to locate this guy. I try to even th think about, um, go to the yellow page and they send him a, a mail or something. <laughs> but then um, one day I just fresh eBay and the card came right up, like just the second. <laughs> I, I didn't, so I, I checked the location. It's the same location. I just immediately buy it now. <laughs> it's it was like 15k for the Mercer back thing, like 2013 or something. Yeah. So I was crazy buy because you could buy like the wrong rookie patch auto for that price or some top exquisite. But I never regret it because I think it kind of it's one of the big moment of my hobby. I think yeah. And right. then through some private discussion, I further established the provenance because the name he mentioned is all the same names and and same location. I think the shop owner's wife was selling the card. And for the hill, it's kind of um, I use some creativity because um, I never heard of hill anywhere, right? Um, on the forums, internet search. And then I think from one of the collectors uh, forum, someone mentioned. He has the hill one for one, and I um, reached out to him, and he showed me how his card. But there's no such card. I think maybe it's one of the ploy to get eyes to him. I don't know. And then I just did a Photoshop to turn the credential future into now, like looking, and put it as a ads on Facebook and Instagram to search for it a little bit. I think people might remember, like. Uh, Several years back, and it didn't work out immediately. But I think um, when I did a transaction with the owner and the previous owner, and he told me his friend saw a uh, ads on social media, like people are looking for this card, that led to him to kind of um, log on the forum and have some discussion. And he is a big collector, but I convinced him to sell because I have the entire kind of set I, I almost accept that card sense that card so that was always a risky move right you show your <laughs> you show the thing and if you came across a very bad seller or greedy seller it, it's it's impossible but he he was kind of guy i think it's the best home so he reached out um like reached the deal in the end and i flew to the us uh, from germany uh, glad it's not a COVID situation. Otherwise, it would be huge, uh, disastrous. <laughs> and that flight to the U.S. was simply to pick up that card, right? Just to pick up. Right. The card. I also asked a friend to to kind of come with me, and because that friend also helped me throughout a lot of the journey, including when I was undercover on the ground, <laughs> he received a lot of card, so be part of this thing, and he was also very happy because, yeah. You can also appreciate the nineties. Yeah. That was basically the story. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love, I love that you will get on a plane, <laughs> travel across the world to pick up 
a basketball card. That is uh that is just that is just awesome. Great story. Great. Okay, we'll do a couple more comments here and then we'll we'll start to wrap up. Yeah. Um Linda says, when did Dr. Evil become a hobbyist? Well, I've been a hobbyist for over 40 years, Linda. 19, uh, 1980, you could say. 1980. I'm sorry I couldn't resist. That's okay. I, I get it a lot. And uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm totally okay with it. No problem at all. Gerald, look forward to seeing you too. Says, look forward to seeing you. Spino, Lee Haskins says, enjoy the Sports Cards Live show. It's part of my hobby time. Great show. And how Jeremy answers all the questions. Not many shows. Like, thank you, Lee. Always, uh, always just... Honored that you're here, buddy. And Joe Perot says, Grant Hill is born October 5th, 10-5, a very fine birthday. Huh, maybe it's Joe's too. I like fives too. Yes, it must be Joe's birthday as well. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, I'm just looking at my notes to see, is there anything we didn't talk about? I think we touched just about everything that we were planning on touching. So I want to, you know, thanks for waking up early in Berlin to, to join us at the regular time for this show, Spino. It's been it's been great having you. Um, remind everybody, I'm not doing after hours tonight. Uh, tomorrow, 7 o'clock Eastern on Collectible Live on this channel. Uh, my guest will be Doug Turner from the 615 Collector Podcast. He's a, he's a good guy. He's a great podcast. I've been listening to his podcast now. Uh, him and his son Brandon team up. They do this podcast. They drop it on Fridays. I was on theirs. I'm having them on Collectible Live. Um, they just take a great, a great approach to their podcast. Really like, here's the information, um, you know, take it for what it is kind of approach. I, I really enjoy it. So check out, check them out and, uh, check that out tomorrow at seven o'clock Eastern on this channel, collectible live with Doug Turner. And then of course, as I mentioned a couple of times, Tuesday, special episode, episode one of five of the tag reveal tag is technical authentication and grading. Um, and yeah, just, uh, tr tr just when I say, trust me, join and watch and learn about this company. I think you're going to be kind of blown away. I hope you are. I was when I learned about it. So invited them on and we're going to do the show. Thank you, Tom Bullard. Patrick says in honor of Spino, I'm looking through my collection for a one of one, two of three, five of eight, 13 of 21. Okay. That's the true Fibonacci way. Yeah, that's cool. the true Fibonacci <laughs> way. There you go. Thanks Patrick. Uh, in honor of him. All right, guys, that's it. We're done. We're going to end this episode. So uh, thanks, everybody, for joining. Spino, give you a chance to... Oh, wait, wait, wait. The 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 writer, producer, performer of the Sports Card <laughs> Live intro song just joined and says, oh, man, just now tuned in. Need to go back and watch. Yes, you do, Sean. Go watch this whole two-hour and six-minute broadcast. Please do, buddy. Okay, Spino, let you uh, say goodbye to the chat, and we're done. Thanks for having me, and uh, it's a great fun. And always uh, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. I, I reply to every message and try to help out as much as I can. <laughs> okay, thank you, Spino. And one last reminder, everybody, check out pristineauction.com. If you use registration code SCL, you're going to save $10 off your first order on their website. pristineauction.com, registration code SCL. That's it, guys. Have a great Rest of your night. We'll see you tomorrow on Collectible Live. We'll see you Tuesday back here for a special episode with Steve Cass, the founder of Tag. That's it. See you later. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Okay. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends.
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.